You're listening to Rivercast, brought to you by River of Life Church in Gilderlin, New York. Now here's Pastor Sean. Hope you had a, a good Christmas and a good New Year's Eve with your family. We had a, our, our time together, however that played out for you. We had a great time, although I did learn a lesson. I didn't see this in Proverbs, but just want you to know, if you ever take on a pine tree, Make sure you do it with the chainsaw and not your head, all right? So there's a particularly mean pine tree running around out there, and uh, I, if it comes your way, I would avoid it at all costs, just so you know. And I uh, tell you what, it helps when, you're, uh, when you have kids and they work in various key places, like the emergency room, and you, they have that medical glue. They just kind of fix you up on the spot, and you don't have to go anywhere, you know? So uh, anyway, I look worse than I, uh, than I feel, but uh, anyhow... Aside for that, I really am glad that we can come and worship together. I'll be honest, I miss being here Christmas Day. I know it was great with, you know, family and all that, and it's like, I just don't like this. But anyway, that's over and in the past. And a little trivia, Christmas doesn't fall on Sunday for like 11 years because of leap year. So like it's over a decade away, so we can ignore that, that issue for a very long time. But uh, anyway... December 3rd, 1992 is a really big day in my life. That's the day that Susan delivered our first child. And I will never forget, I was at seminary, you know, we, she was pregnant. She was actually, see, I got to do the math. So she was what, uh, seven and a half months pregnant. Is that right? Eight and a half months pregnant. Anyway, she'll tell me. Six and a half weeks early. Somebody else do the math. I can't do it on the spot. And so we were thinking, it's December 3rd. I'm like, this is awesome. She's going to deliver around Christmas. Terrible for the kid. You know, nobody wants their birthday at Christmas. But good for us because I was going to be on break and I was at time off and she was a teacher and she was off. And, and, uh, but somebody forgot to tell our kid that that was the plan because uh, she came on December 3rd and we drove to the hospital at Albany Med and we were living in Schenectady at the time. And it's just so amazing how God takes care of you. The insurance we had at the time, I don't, I don't know if this was legal now or then, but it was weird. Like we had to go to a hospital that was in, we could never be more than an hour away from the hospital. And so we lived in Schenectady. I was pastoring a church, restarting a church in Bennington, which is an hour away. So we thought, okay, we'll pick a hospital halfway. Happened to be Albany Med. And with her going six and a half weeks earlier, my daughter ended up in the NICU and she'd end up going to Omnimed anyway. And so God just takes care of little things in your life and just provides. And I learned quickly and felt the pressures of being the dad at the ripe old age of 24. I learned a lot about moms and just how wonderful that was, but how hard it was on my wife just delivering a baby and having to leave her in the care of somebody else all week long and the pressures and just how hard it was and just... Anyway, wonderful time of life. Well, this morning, I want us to look at what Proverbs has to say about parenting. The Bible says so much about children and how to raise children and what a blessing they are and what we're supposed to do. And so much of it is in the book of Proverbs. And there's just no way that we could begin to wrap up our series on Proverbs without talking about it. And I will say this, I feel like in churches, we, we know that as couples and husbands and wives, that there is a difference some innate good things that are in them and accentuating them, it's actually recognizing we got to deal with the bad stuff and the sin. It's not like, it's not like training our, our dog. Like my dog, 
He has been bred to point birds. I remember when we took him out, he was probably six months old, and I took him in the woods, walking through the woods, and three or four or five grouse flew up all at once. And he was just six months old, and he just froze, kind of like, what in the world was that? Nobody had to tell him that. I don't know. I wouldn't even know how to teach a dog. Now, hey, when you see or smell a bird, you sit there now. You would just... You do this thing like, he just does it. To be honest with you, I just want him to kind of obey me and kind of, you know, you kind of hone a little bit. It's not that way with kids. Our kids don't have the good to deal with this innate in them to automatically do. We think they do, but they don't. Instead, they have sinful wickedness bound into their hearts, and they're accountable to a holy God. And our heart, mom and dad, we should look at our kids like, oh my goodness, God is going to be against my kid. If I don't deal with this, i got to help them. They've got a terminal disease spiritually in their soul. And I want God's favor in my kid. And I want my kid to enjoy the blessings of God in life. And I want them to not just have heaven, but to have all of it. And for us to experience that, we've got to deal soberly with the reality of that they're a sinner separated from God that God is against until they receive Jesus and are forgiven. So we have to deal with that reality. Let me share the fourth thing. And this is where it's really going to get challenging for all of us. It's, to be honest with you, I've been challenged even just to share these things. So I'm just going to read these verses to you, and then we're going to talk about them. Look what Proverbs 22:15 says. Folly is bound up in the heart of the child. I read you that first part a minute ago. The second part of this is this. But the rod of discipline drives it far from him. Whew, that's strong. 29.19, by mere words, a servant is not disciplined. For though he understands, he will not respond. So sinfulness, wickedness, being against God is in our heart. And the Bible tells us that there must be a rod of discipline that deals with it, that gets that out of it. And the next verse tells us in 29.19 that talking to them won't do it. By mere words, a servant is not disciplined, for though he understands it, he will not respond. In other words, we can just talk to our kids all day long, and it's not going to deal with it. It's not. We can talk as winsomely and as logically and as being healthy and helpful as we can, and this proverb says they're not going to get it that way. They're not going to respond. Look at the next one. Blows that wound cleanse away evil. Strokes make clean the innermost parts. I don't know how that's a reality that there could be a discipline on the outside that begins to cleanse and to clean the heart on the inside. But there is a discipline that gets at this foolishness in the heart. There is something that happens there. 23, 13, and 14, do not withhold discipline from a child. We're commanded categorically not to withhold it from a child. If you strike him with a rod, oh my soul, he will not die. If you strike him with a rod, you will save his soul from Sheol or from death and hell is what that's talking about. Discipline your son, he will give you rest. He will give delight to your heart and you will save his soul from, from again, Sheol, death, or hell. Those are hard verses to read. And those are hard for us as Christians to read because many people have been abused. Abuse is a real 
That's a reality. And so many people have used these verses to abuse their kids. But the Bible's also giving us some clear things here. Like God did not beat around the bush on this. He was not vague. He was really clear about this. That if we're going to be good parents, we're going to have to learn to embrace discipline. And it's going to have to be painful or cost our kids along the way. That there's no way to avoid that. In fact, it's it's even worse than that. It's 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 harder than that. In in verse chapter 19, verse 18, listen to this. It says this. It says, Discipline your son, for there is hope, and do not set your heart on putting him to death. In other words, if we set our heart like I just can't bring myself to discipline my kid, I can't do that well. I just oh, I just it hurts me to do it. I love them so much. I just want to care and love them, and and that's a real emotion. That's a reality that 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 parents go through. But when we set our heart that way, we're setting our heart on their death, on their demise, because we're basically are saying as a parent. Yes, I see that you have terminal cancer within you, but I can't bring my soul to have you operated on to have that removed. And so therefore, I'm just going to ignore that. And you're going to have to suffer the consequences of it down the road. When we don't discipline our children well, and I'll talk a minute about that, then we are setting them up for complete failure and destruction in the rest of their life. When we think that somehow that we can just talk with them and reason with them, especially when they're really young, we're kidding ourselves. In fact, we're leaving them to their, their own devices. The, we, we're leaving them to themselves. 29.15 says this, The rod and reproof give wisdom, but a child left to himself brings shame to his mother. So we have to discipline our kids. Now, Christians will discuss and debate how to do that and what to do that, and the Bible doesn't give us all of the rules and how to do that well. But discipline should be age-specific, should be different for a 2-year-old than a 15-year-old, a 5-year-old versus a 15-year-old, that kind of discipline should be different. It should be specific. Expectations for each kid along the way should be different. But discipline has to happen from, I don't know, since Susan's in our experience, and this is where every parent has to figure out their philosophy of dealing with it, but from the time they were toddling around, they knew. We taught them you weren't supposed to put your finger in a light plug. They knew to do it was bad. And it was bad just because mom and dad said so. Don't do it. <laughs> and we set up very few rules, and we disciplined accordingly to their age. What, what I, we discovered along the way is if you discipline a little bit when they're really young, like up into kindergarten, it irons out a lot of stuff later on. A lot of things later on. In fact, so to... To deal with the reality here, the Bible talks about the rod and about all of these things. So we should not abuse our kids. There should never, ever be a mark left on our kids anywhere. And any kind of physical discipline should be in a very safe, controlled place. And it should be in the context where a child knows they're loved and they're safe and secure. And it's dealt with in that moment. 
Our kids, when we, Susan and I, would address it that way, they tell us later on as adults that it was so helpful for us because as adults are like, once that was, they were confronted in their sin, they knew they were wrong. And that process of discipline gave them a pathway back to righteousness, if you will. Because Susan and I would talk through it. Do you know what you did and why you did it? And you know what I have to do and what God tells them we have to discipline? And after it, they would, they would ask forgiveness and we would say, I, we love you and we would pray and we'd forgive them. And it would be done. Never talked about later. Done. None of this, you know, walking on eggshells and mom and dad, you know, and just still dealing with all the emotion and all the drama and all of it. And it would just be over and it wouldn't be lasting and hanging over their heads in fact it's said before that they've even said that you know you felt clean after that and it was just it was over and so that's when they're really really young and we would we would spank them when they were young but up till i don't know very early elementary maybe kindergarten first grade and then you deal different discipline after a child has more reasoning ability when a child's really young things are just you know they're black and white and immediate but when they can have, they're older and they can reason, you do talk a bit more, but you still have to discipline and punish when they've done wrong. But, but I tell you, if you do well in those early years, generally you avoid so much in the later years. So what about in the middle of that? Oh, my goodness, it's already 11, so I'm going to move on from that. I'm not going to give you more examples, but it's got to be age-specific. It's got to be in the context of love. It's got to be in the wonderful care of a home where there's security and all of that. So let me do ask about this. What about when there's children with uh, social or intellectual or emotional disabilities? Discipline for them will need to fit wherever they are related to those issues in their life. And you as mom and dad have to navigate that and figure that out in the middle of it. But I will say this, they're still responsible to a holy God in heaven for their actions and their behaviors, and they still need that discipline. And I don't know what that looks like, and it's going to be different across the board, but you've still got to engage their, their heart before God in heaven. And as we all know, that there's experiences that kids go through and babies that experience as they're being developed in the womb. Like I'm just thinking of one example. And if mom is on, you know, is, is, is doing drugs or alcohol, there's just there's a whole host of behavioral and all kinds of things later on. It's not the kid's fault. It's not their fault. But even so, they're still a child made in the image of God. And you've got to train them and model them and walk with them, and it is going to be messy and painful, and there's far going to be far from you know the outcomes that, that um, just it's going to be challenges all the way through that. But you still have to ask God, God, how do I do this well? If God took so much time to write all of these verses down to tell us we need to do it, it tells me a couple of things. One. We probably don't want to do it because God only tells us to do stuff we don't tend to want to do automatically. And secondly, it tells me it's so important. It's not we can read what the latest out there is, the latest blogs about how to raise positive thinking children, all of that. But at the end of the day, God's the one who invented people. And he's the maker of heaven and earth. And he tells us how we're supposed to address them and help them. So I don't know where you are in those things, but this is what the Bible tells us. 
And I've never seen ever, not once yet, any time that any of us ignore God's Word and it didn't cost us painfully. And when we think about kids, the stakes are even higher because we want the best for them. So train them well, model for them what it's supposed to be. Recognize that your kids, regardless of where they are, regardless of, of, of things in life, that what they are able to do and what they have a conscience to do, they're accountable for God in heaven. And your job along the way is to discipline when they've done wrong in that and to help restore them and help correct them and point them into that path. So I don't know how this has hit home for you, if it's maybe challenged you, or maybe like, oh, I know I should have done more of this, or I, oh, now i got to think about this with my kids. I don't know. But whatever God has been stirring in your heart, maybe you just simply say, you know what? I did those things. and My kid is still not where I want him to be as an adult. Then this morning, you should just be saying, God, as I listen to Sean, I did those things to the best of my ability. Then you be at peace and be at rest. And you just simply say, God, I've done the best I know how to do. I entrust my kids, my adult kids to you. Maybe that's your response. Or maybe you've got young kids at home that you've not sat down and worked through all of that, how you're going to handle all of these things. And your response might need to be, God, help us to do those things well. I don't know. But whatever God has been talking to you about this morning, respond to Him. I'm going to give you just a, a minute or two on that for yourself. But we also want to celebrate in the Lord's Supper today. We always do it the first Sunday of the month. It's kind of a hard left-hand turn. But what God has put into our life is the gospel. And just as a home should model that gospel, not behavioral perfection, but the gospel changing imperfection. None of our homes are perfect. All of them are messy. And Jesus comes and kids should experience the gospel, the forgiveness of what Jesus died on the cross for us and what that change looks like and how we can live that life out. And the Lord's Supper is just an expression as a bigger family that none of us are perfect. And we have all made all kinds of mistakes and sins and that Jesus still loved us. And He died on the cross to forgive us our sins. And as His children, the Bible tells us even now, He still disciplines us because He loves us. And He doesn't want us to just go down that road disobeying Him. But He does it because He loves us to bring us back. And so this gospel that we're going to celebrate in the Lord's Supper, it's that picture of Jesus dying for us and rising again. So as you think about the, what we talked about with kids, think about that as well. I'm going to give us a couple minutes just to quietly where you are to pray and think about all of those things, and then uh, we'll participate in the supper together. So go ahead and bow your heads if you would, and close your eyes. Lord in heaven, I thank you that Jesus forgives our sins. And Lord, we've talked a lot about parenting today, and I have had plenty of failures as a parent. But Lord, the encouragement that I have, that I want all of us to have, is that you're bigger than all of our mistakes. And the gospel still saves and changes lives. You're even bigger than the issues that our kids might have been born with that are not their fault that we talked about. And your gospel and your grace is still bigger than all of that too. Lord, our lives are so messy and they're so difficult. And, uh, and Lord, 
I feel like parents walk around with such guilt, and I sure do not want to add to that today. So Lord, wherever any of us have done wrong or failed, forgive us and help us to have that restoration. And Lord, I pray that the false guilt would be removed. That inasmuch as we've done the best that we can do to point them to you, to model and live that out, to we, we leave the ki- our kids in your hands as adults. They're not our responsibility at that point. They're yours. So, the Father, help us, I pray, to just to live our life, to invest, and to really uh, to be where we need to be with our kids. And Lord, as we celebrate this supper, I pray that it's an encouragement to us that Jesus changes our lives and he wants to change the lives of those around us, even through the years. Lord, I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Steve's going to come and close our service out for us. Come on, Steve. Uh, Everybody, it's, you know, as it's the new year, it's often a time of kind of reflection adjustment, correction, right? It's often a time we kind of start with new beginnings. And I think today's message really on parenting and on God's format or template for us parenting, it's kind of a great word as we see the new year, right? It might be a time for us to reflect on our own parenting, right? Are we doing it the way God has has laid out for us? Do we need to adjust? Do we need to correct? It's never too late to make adjustments and to make sure that we're following the template that God's laid out for us, that we're helping to train up, model, um, hold accountable and um, discipline, right, our kids, ourselves, and make sure that we're following God's word. And I think that's a good, that's a great word um, of wisdom to kind of focus on this week as we celebrate the new year.